WMQA. Hello and welcome to WMQA, the podcast where two best friends talk about comics with the people who make them. I'm Dan Grote. And I'm Matt Lazowitz. And this week's guests are the creators of Try Not to Die, currently funding on Kickstarter. Comics XF alum Kenneth Laster and Damien Beckton. Welcome, friends. Hey there. Thanks for having us. Hi. Thanks for having us. So we'll start with this. Uh, just because it's fresh and topical, did everyone get to see Spider-Verse this weekend? I did. I did. I did. Oh, yes is all around. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my, my favorite movie of the year, hands down. What do you guys think? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, uh, yes, I I give it a 10 out of 10. Okay. I was just, I'm trying to not spoil anything, but I was ready for the rest. Mm-hmm. I know <laughs> exactly. Oh, no, it it ended, and the the look of dismay on my partner's face, not realizing <laughs> that it was going to be a cliffhanger. And I was like, "Don't worry, hun. The next one's coming out in March of next yeah. year. It is less than a year from now. Yeah, four year for your gap again. It, it's mar- coming quick. Yeah. The it, March is such the a future to us. <laughs> uh, seeing that it was March and not fully." like a year like june it was such like like okay i can i can do march i can do march <laughs> yeah we can make this but it, with, with the lead time on animation the the script is already done it's not going to mm-hmm. be affected by any writer strikes we're good yeah. <laughs> it was really you know it i had so much fun with it and i came into it i i think i saw a headline that said you know it's the longest animated movie ever mm-hmm. um and then when i watched it it did not feel like the longest animated movie ever because like i said when it ended i was ready for the rest of it i said uh when it was when the whole end sequence was happening i was like um all right how's it gonna get out of this one but yeah (laughs) in the next whatever minutes but you know it's it was it was mind-blowing i loved it absolutely yeah i haven't been able to think about anything i saw it yesterday at one and i just haven't been able to think about anything since then which is bad because i have a job so (laughs) yeah it the thing that i love is that because of the blend of styles of animation within Mm -hmm. it it was some of the most when little bits of live action were in there it felt more seamless than anything else Mm -hmm. because everything was sort of this mashup to begin with yeah mm-hmm. and without spoiling it the the live action cameo just made me so happy <laughs> yeah it was it was it just it was a, a giddy moment like the post credit scene from the first one where miguel mm-hmm. o'hara first pops up like yeah, yeah. my favorite spider-man and then this was like oh that is a perfect cameo i love it they do Easter eggs the best in these movies where it's just always just like, it's, it's fun, it's kinetic. And again, if you miss it, you're you're good to go for like, there's going to be 17 other things in the next frame that <laughs> keep your attention. The, the number of people who probably got that, oh, that's the woman who owns the bodega in Venom in that <laughs> one moment. It's like, okay, mo- you know, sure, that let's throw that in there. Why not? <laughs> I, I, saw I mean, it was... All and they have so much, especially with like the Spider Verse. Like, there's so many different things. There's so many like toys that they can play with. It's, it, yeah. it's really, I mean, they can really go in any direction that they want, or they can throw anything in there that they want. 
Yeah, it's been cool seeing the characters that have broken out and like on Twitter and like like just like oh that character is like the one that everyone's talking about and it's just so cool to see like <laughs> the Spider Verse team getting their hands on like you said those toys and just sort of like oh they made this character that was kind of like a background character from like any of those Spider Verse events just like this character that's gonna be have so many fan cams and just like immediately take over the internet and I love it and there was one part I'm gonna spoil a, a, a part in it. Um, but it made me laugh so, so hard. And it was like a split second thing when they had Peter Park car in there. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> a good bit. I was like, what? That was hilarious. God, so many, so many little things. I, 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 I saw it with my family and uh, two of our best friends. And I swear to God, it was like six, well, five, because my daughter's five. So it's not like she got every reference. So it was like five Leonardo DiCaprio pointing memes just in a row <laughs> every few minutes. Yeah, I, I just yeah. am waiting for the Marvels to do the one shot of uh, Spider Cat versus Crocodile Loki. Uh, I, I want that now. <laughs> that makes me want to go back to Loki now. I forgot all about that. <laughs> yeah, season two comes out this year, I think. Yeah, though. yeah, yep. end of the year. They, they were I, oh, I think it's November. October, November, somewhere around there, end of yeah. the year. Yeah, it yeah. Was, it was something. And that's my favorite. It really is my favorite MCO, MCU TV show. Um, out of all the mm -hmm. ones that come out so far, I think Loki was the one that stuck out to me the most. Yeah, I think I agree. I think Ms. Marvel might be a close. Oh, second, yeah. Maybe. Oh, She Hulk was fun too. I, yes. Even though I know that's like <laughs> fans are weird about that one, but it, it was exactly what a She Hulk show should have been. Yeah. Yes. Shows, I think it's Loki, but for my favorite thing that they've done for Disney Plus, it's Werewolf by Night. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, yeah, that was a... really fun too. And it was like, it was a short, quick 45 minute thing. And it was, and it was great. Yeah. Some yeah. of the characters I do, like, you know, I've been reading comics for a long time, but some of them, I'm like, um, who's this? Uh, yeah. But eventually, you know, I caught on. Mm -hmm. I just, I'm a big fan of classic horror movies, so mm -hmm. that that was mm -hmm. speaking to the the universal horror geek in me. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the segue. It just oh, yeah. horror. <laughs> <laughs> we could but, probably you know, do I, this I... all night. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I I did just want to say before we pivot into the meat of the matter, man. I do feel like this is the first year, and and obviously everybody's mileage varies and and respect, but. This feels like the first summer where the movies are back. Like I'm going every couple of mm -hmm. weeks now, like mm -hmm. two weeks in a row now, because uh, we saw Little Mermaid last week, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and I'm still looking forward to Asteroid City and Barbie. My wife wants to see Haunted oh, yeah. Mansion. Oh, Got the Marvels coming in November. I mean, you know, it, are you guys feeling that too? Absolutely. I absolutely am. Um, like you said, we... And we don't go to the movies often, but we like we went back to back weeks. We went to Little Mermaid, and I, I didn't even watch the first Little Mermaid, but I love this one. I was like, I understand why people uh, love this movie. And then we went to watch Spider Verse, and you know, man, we there's still a few more things that's coming up that I'm looking forward to as well. Yeah, I agree. Like, I, I worked at a movie theater uh, and like programming, and so like we definitely had a I worked with and sort of like seeing movies come in and like audiences not come and sort of I, it definitely feels like this is the year where like people are talking about like what's playing now I feel like in a way before the pandemic that I feel like there would be those releases that like are you know that's all people are talking about but I, and I feel like that's coming back mm -hmm. 
you know me. Done. Yeah, and Matt, you were going regardless. <laughs> yeah, I, I see a movie a week one way or the other. So nice. it's something I've always thought. I mean, but yeah, no, this year there's, I think over the course of the next month, there's at least two movies a week where I'm like, oh, I don't have the time to see two movies a week, but I want to. <laughs> But uh, yeah, let's let's pivot from film to comics. Uh, what are some of the first comics that each of you remembers reading? Uh, Damien, why don't you go first? Oh man! Um, <laughs> so I remember the first comic book that my dad got me was a um, it was a Spider Girl um, comic from I, I, it must have been when I was in second or third grade, and when I got it at a gas station, I remember that. But before all of that, my my brother was really into the Jim Lee X-Men, um, the all that stuff right before the image, um, before image became a thing. Um, my and my brother wasn't really a huge comic book fan. He he liked to draw. So when he saw Jim Lee on it, he would um he would he would try to emulate all his uh his drawing styles. Um but my dad, he's a huge comic book fan. Um and he goes all the way back to the 70s reading it. Um, but those like the image, um, like young blood, I remember having that spawn or my brother having all of that. And then that kind of just grew into everything that I've been reading and doing now. Kenneth, how about you? Oh uh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm trying to remember. I, I know there's, there's two culprits that I've narrowed down for my first comic and it's either, <laughs> it's either, uh, like one of the third volume of that uh jeff john's teen titans run because i think like the, the cartoon was on when i was a kid and i think you know recognizing characters and i remember robin wasn't in it which made me mad um and it's either that one or um that uh first issue of the mark wade mike ringo fantastic four run uh because i think it was like 99 cents and uh i can't remember if i got my hands on it before the movie came out uh, which I, I have a defender of that movie. Uh, but yeah, I, I, it was either one of those two comics, but yeah, definitely. And I know that because those, they, I still have them and the covers are just not on them anymore. Uh, so that that is a marker of youth. Um, but yeah, definitely. I think I didn't get into comics regularly until I was in like maybe middle school buying like monthlies uh, right around the New 52, which was, um, you know, <laughs> it's a time to get into comics i guess but um <laughs> yeah yeah definitely a lot of superhero books but then like i think as i got into high school definitely branched on indies and i think i'm i mostly am keeping up with indies now um uh, yeah I, i've fallen behind on my big two reading list but yeah that's my little comics journey you know i'm sorry i'm gonna jump in kind of mm -hmm. you know a lot of people have a have a certain feeling about the new 52 but i personally um there was like a huge gap between my i guess high school and then college or probably like four or five years, I didn't get it, um, comics. But, um, you know, I was, the 50, New 52 was such a, was such a cool thing to me because they actually had commercials. You don't really see commercials on TV yeah. about comic books, but I remember seeing the New 52 commercials and they had so much great stuff like the Batman, yeah. um, Scott yeah. Snyder. But my biggest, um, the biggest ones that I loved was Scott Snyder's Swamp Thing and Animal Man from Jeff Lemire. Those are some mm. of my favorite comics that I, that, has i've ever read and you know that came out of the new 52 yeah yeah i was definitely into it at the time and like i remember grant morrison on action comics was mm. I, I i still stand by that one being a really <laughs> great series 
Uh, but yeah, I think I think looking back, it it, it I think I feel the stuntness of it. Like I, I think in a published from with hindsight, there's definitely some great stuff that came out. But I'm just like, that was a choice. It was just such a wild choice looking <laughs> back and just seeing how DC has had like 17 like crises in the in the midst to try to figure out how to recalibrate it. It's been very interesting. But yeah, definitely there was a lot of really good books at that time. All right, Matt, I'm going to throw this at you while we're on the subject. Favorite new 52 comic that wasn't Snyder's Batman. (laughs) (sighs) Literally, my brain is is running through all 52 titles. Uh, There's a few of them. It it wasn't the Rob Liefeld Hawkman. Um... No, nor the Rob Liefeld Deathstroke. No, it was Tony Danny who launched Deathstroke, and then Life Elsewhere. I forgot about that. That was a thing. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I'm not. Yeah, I, I think Damien. I think you hit it on the nose with the 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 Snyder Lemire Hawkman. Uh, uh, curse you, Dan, for bringing up <laughs> the, the freaking Hawkman. That's in my head. Um, no, the the Snyder Swamp Thing and the Lemire Animal Man were some of the best horror superhero stuff in a long time although actually paul cornell's demon knights uh, doing really not a fan no i i just didn't i didn't that was one that i didn't read i wish i need to go back because my girlfriend she has she has them but I, I i it's so rare to see long form high fantasy mixed with a superhero universe mm-hmm. it, it's you know, short arcs. It's a burst. It's, you know, Tony Stark winds up back in Camelot and, you know, dealing with Doctor Doom and Camelot. But to do this sort of long form high fantasy in that period, because even uh, Kirby's demon moves to the present fairly quickly. And this is straight up throughout the entire arc in medieval style times and i'm also a big cornell person Uh, i remember really enjoying the azarello and chang wonder woman but i'm wondering how well that has aged Mm -hmm. i kind of am leery to go back and reread i mean i have over the years soured a little uh, soured a little bit on the the retconned origin of now she is the daughter of Zeus rather than the classic made of clay. I think I, I was never a fan of that. And I think it it's one of the, so much of the new 52 has been shifted out of Canon. I'm shocked that that mm-hmm. is the thing that has stuck. I, I also, I think there's a lot of really good stuff that came out of the new 52, but I think it would have worked in general, a lot better if they had just done the hard reset on everything versus the Bat titles and the Green Lantern titles being these sort of soft reboots while Superman and Wonder Woman and Flash got very hard reboots because it meant things didn't line up properly and three Robins in five years is... Four Robins in five years is a whole... Weird problem, and they it's a flock of Robins, <laughs> and they Tim did Drake. my boy Tim Drake so dirty. But oh, yeah, 
my, my beloved Tim and it was a rough it, few years. <laughs> it took them that entire time. It took Tiny and coming on Detective to give me Tim Drake back, and I will be eternally grateful for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, as a fellow Tim Drake stan, I it was it was touch and go for a while. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Batman Batman Eternal started it. Batman and Robin Eternal. Because mm-hmm. because over on the Bat Chat, my other podcast, my co-host Will Nevin and I just did Batman and Batman Eternal not too long ago and rereading it. It's like, okay, we're we're getting some hints of Tim being Tim again and not mm-hmm. whatever it was Scott Lobdell made him into. And <laughs> Yeah, the Tynan touch. For even that, like he was on that one, so I, I know that yeah, he he really saved our boy. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Okay. Well, let, let's move on to, to, to happier times. Uh, y'all are here to promote the Kickstarter for Try Not to Die, number one, an omni-horror comic uh, with letterer Reed Hinckley Barnes. Uh, Matt, go ahead and get good and spooky and read this uh, synopsis. When familiar faces from classic horror films are transported and taken hostage by a mysterious and powerful being and forced to take part in their deadly competition... Fates get crossed, tempers get tested, trust becomes obsolete, and, of course, blood is shed. In this game, the competitors come face to face with each other's nemeses. There is nowhere to hide from these revenants, monsters, and killers. Find out what happens when the student, the boyfriend, the auteur, the babysitter, and the liability cross paths and are pushed to their limits by the host. So what is the origin of this project? A couple of years ago, um, Band of Bards comics, um, they they had an open submission um, for an anthology that uh, a horror anthology that actually recently came out, um, I think this past year, um, called From the Static. Um, And I really, 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 really wanted to get into that. Um, And I was just racking my brain um, trying to figure out a way, a unique kind of story um that would kind of stand out um and for whatever reason this uh this idea just popped into my head um actually i think i i came up with the the name first try not to die um i know a lot of people don't really start that way um i i and i know i know i wanted to make it a like kind of a competition like a squid game type thing um and from whatever whatever However it happened, but the, the concept popped into my head where these different characters from these different horror movies, um, somehow they're transported into um, this lair where, where um, a powerful host just forces them to compete for their lives. Um, and it's not just any kind of competition. It's, you know, um, they're facing each other's killers. They're facing each other's monsters. Um, they're trying to survive all these different situations. Um, and I really can't say how I came up with it. I know I came up with it while I was working out in the gym somehow, <laughs> but um, it's a good place I for really, ideas. Yeah, man. Um, but it really, and I love the idea so much. Um, it actually didn't get picked up for the, um, for the anthology, but I love the idea so much that I wanted to, uh, Hey, I wanted to de- develop this into something else. And then, you know, I, I reached out and I've always for, for a while, I, I've been seeing Kenneth Laster on Twitter um and you know i just checked out his website and you know i was in love with his 
his art because he has such a and I'm gonna sorry Kenneth I'm gonna let you talk a second um, but I'm so I was so in love with his art because you know it's he has a unique style um, he's one of those people that you know if you see his art you'll be, automatically be able to hey that's that's Mr. Laster's art um, and he has an ability to just put these wild colors um, in different places he can do sci-fi he can do westerns he can do fantasy and all these different things. Um, one thing I didn't see um, was horror, but there was not there wasn't a doubt in my mind that he'd be able to do it. So I just reached out to him, and I'm saying, and I told him, "Look, hey, we ha I have this story that I want to tell," and thank goodness um, he said yes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that that's pretty much. Uh, I I guess I guess I come in at the the second part of that story, but yeah, that that's thank you so much for the kind words. Uh, but yeah, that's really awesome. Um, but yeah, I got Damien's email. I was like just about to move states. Um, and yeah, basically, um, he gave me the pitch. It was kind of in the broad strokes of sort of like the competition with the different horror protagonists. And um, yeah, I think the big thing that kind of sold me was uh, also just being having room to in, input uh, my ideas as well and sort of be a co-creator on the project. That was a really exciting thing as someone who likes to write and draw my own stuff too. It was kind of cool to build this story together and sort of uh take this premise and run with it and also uh like Damien said I hadn't really worked on horror before um I horror comics are one of the few horror venues that I read uh or interact with really um because I before this project I was a coward and did not see really any horror movies um yeah I, I think the Blair Witch Project I had watched like that year and it was like this is this is a lot <laughs> um but yeah it, it was sort of reading horror comics uh i think like we said tinian uh a lot of his books and the co-creators that he has on those they are doing do incredible work and just sort of uh that genre of playing in that space and putting it through my style which um I i'm always figuring out every day uh but yeah it, it was a challenge and just sort of that creative control all drew me to that project and made me want to commit to it and yeah it's been such a fun project to work on so uh, how far are you at this point uh, along in terms of production? Um, currently, we have the first few pages um, finished and there's some other stuff that we have that that isn't on the Kickstarter page, but we have a lot um, finished. The script is done. Kenneth is um, working on the first issue at the moment. Um, and once once the kickstarter ends you know we'll fully be able to commit to making this first issue um, um we got a good a pretty good start um and we're confident or i'm confident that you know it'll get funded uh, we have a few pages done um that you'll be able to see on the kickstarter beautiful pages shout out to kenneth because he absolutely killed those pages thank you thank you and yeah i've been working on uh the thumbnails just sort of trying to figure out some fun ways to play with it i think having the lead time uh of the the lull of sort of waiting for the project to be funded before working in uh working deeply has been fun to sort of just like what if this page looked like that and just sort of uh play around but not like get super hard in the, the layouts but yeah um i'm raring to go once we get uh funded what are sort of each of your individual horror touchstones one of the things that um well like i grew up in the late 90s um well i grew up in the 90s rather um and 
some of the things that I, I, I we kind of have four issues planned. Um, and some of the things that we touch upon in our plan, the four issues are some of the things that I grew up with, not necessarily the ones that were um, made when I was born, uh, but you'll see immediately right off the bat is um, Scream, um, a lot of the 90s slasher films. Um, we even go back to the 70s and the 80s with the, some slasher films. But um, a lot of the things that we wanted to incorporate was um, those classic films that probably people are most familiar with. Um, and then hopefully if we get a, if we get, um, if we're lucky to make a few more issues of this, uh, we'll dive a little bit deeper into um, some not, not as popular stuff, but a lot of the stuff that you see, that you will see, and especially in issue one, because we do, we cover a lot of ground in issue one. Um, are some of those slasher films that you see. You'll see um, some supernatural um, stuff too, um, like Evil Dead. You'll see some Alien. You'll see some um, some other things in there. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah, like uh, like I was saying earlier, um, I was sort of a horror novice. Uh, so a lot of my touchstones didn't come until after starting the book, really. Uh, like I, like Damien said, I, I ended up going through all the Scream films, like, uh, and that was a fun journey. I think that one, that franchise just is really great. Um, and yeah, I think prior to that, I think being scared by Chucky at a young age, <laughs> um, that imprinted on me a lot. And um, yeah, but yeah, mostly I think my horror touchstones end up being comics. Uh, like I said, the Tinian books, Something's Killing the Children and uh, nice house on the lake uh really was like a, a a latched onto my brain in a specific way um and yeah there's just so many like great indie co horror comics that i just will pop into it just to see how people are doing things and um there might be even like a a dash of chainsaw man that i got into a little bit in the last couple of years of um sort of that sort of horror comedy like bent i think that's really cool of just doing like really crazy like messed up like panels and looks like a wild gag um yeah just i think even like uh it makes me think of even like the adams family just sort of those horror comedy i think that i think that's my little niche that i would enjoy like i'm a big scooby-doo kid <laughs> um so i think a lot of the that horror comedy angles was my little niche of uh horror that i could actually intake without being uh an anxious mess for the rest of the day <laughs> What is it about horror as a genre that speaks to you? Uh, Jamie and I'm kind of at this point directing this more towards you as Kenneth, this is sort of the new thing to you, but feel free to answer as well. Yeah. Um, horror or just being scared, terrified is such a, it's such a, a raw emotion. Um, and, you know, a lot of people get thrills out of that. Um, and it's really hard to do, um, to, especially in the comic book medium to, you know, try to make people feel afraid or try to make people feel uneasy or unsettled. Um, but, you know, one of the things that I, I try to, when I write, um, or try to come up with ideas is I try to think of, um, what are some of the things that stuck out to me, um, when I watched a movie when I was 10 years old. So when I think about The Ring from 2002, um, or when I think about Jeepers Creepers, I try to figure out what what exactly was it about 
these films or these stories that actually stuck out to me um, because, you know, it's because I was scared at that moment that that I let it, it stuck with me for my entire life. I mean, I remember watching Jeepers Creepers and I remember having a nightmare um, about the creeper on my roof and I couldn't sleep for a week. I couldn't sleep right for a week. And the same thing for um, the ring, uh, like just seeing that girl in the closet um and like it that was like five minutes into the story or five minutes into the movie um and i, I tried to uh in this case because this re this really is my first horror story um I, I just it's i try to figure out different ways or how has other people's story affected me and how can i put a twist on that you know i was a kid during the 80s and i can't recall whether it was that my mom wouldn't let me watch scary movies or I myself was just too much of a scaredy cat. But, you know, I, either way, I missed like a whole decade of like Friday the 13th and nightmares on, on Elm street. So I don't even, I don't, I really don't think I started, you know, engaging with horror until like probably college. And then it was like, Oh, I'm going to watch John Carpenter's Halloween. And, and, you know, I think I actually I saw the Blair Witch Project in the theater and then whatever like the next Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake was <laughs> after that. Uh, and then the ring, the ring's fucked up. You know, when you've seen like five horror movies in your life and suddenly there's a girl come out of a TV. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of great stuff out there. My dad, you know, my dad still watches old movies from the 50s. Um, but I remember even growing up um, watching Candyman with my dad, or I wouldn't watch it. He he just happened to be watching it. And then, you know, I'd be with him. He'd watch Children of the Corn. He'd watch Candyman. He'd watch Child's Play. He'd watch all these different things. And a lot of, a lot of those moments in that, in that movie, in those movies still stick out to me, just like Michael Myers, just standing outside the window. Um, and then Lori looks down she sees him, she looks back, and then she looks back, um, back out the window and he's gone. These things, and I really, I don't know why it sticks with me, but these are just the things that um, that I remember from when I was seven, eight years old. Um, and I try to figure out different ways that we can do that. Um, but a lot of times, you know, I just let Kenneth do <laughs> what Kenneth does too, because he's so good at what it, what he does. Thank you. I, I was gonna say I had a I had a similar The Ring moment as like a or not with the movie The Ring, but just sort of like oh this is like the fifth scary movie I'm seeing where I'm like I can handle Halloween, I can handle like these slasher movies, but then I watched The Thing and I was like I stood up and just was like ah this is too much happening. Uh, so yeah, I I, I love I get I think that that again it taps into that sort of thrill of just like like a roller coaster, even though I don't like roller coasters really, but that like. It's just uh, it, it, it's a safe way to feel like such an intense emotion which um yeah the, the thing definitely got me back into the like oh this is horror this this comic deals in in archetypes uh you know the the student the boyfriend the auteur the babysitter the liability uh and the host uh of of those you know do do either of you have a a favorite or perhaps one that you identify with more than the others And I really do love them all. Um, <laughs> they are they, your children. <laughs> it, 
there were some people, uh, there were some, we actually just talking to Kenneth because the story has changed so much um, since Kenneth got on board. Um, and we knew we had to kill somebody or a few people. Um, and we actually scrapped the how the story started um, to this new version of it. Um, one of my favorite characters that that's in there. Um, it, I I think it's it's the liability. I mean, actually, we actually changed his name a couple times, and he's a pretty. He, he's from one of my favorite horror movies is um, Shaun of the Dead. You know, it's a comedy horror, um, and he's pretty. <laughs> you can see right off the bat, uh, Kenneth does such a great job just um, getting. Um, Nick Frost likeness in there because he's not exactly Ed from Shaun of the Dead. I think we call him Ted in there. Um, <laughs> but he is one of my favorites. Um, and he has an interesting arc in there too. Um, you can kind of get an idea of what his arc might be just by based off his name. Um, you know, he is the liability. If you guys have ever seen Shaun of the Dead, uh, in that story, um, he's pretty much what he what we call him. He's a liability the entire story. So we got a pretty nice arc. For him lined up as well and he's um he he's a really funny dude um and it was fun to be able to play around with that character yeah i feel like in general with the horror world um again even in things that i haven't necessarily watched i love the concept of the final girl i feel like that's such an interesting uh there's been a lot of just like interesting academically written on it and just sort of like i think it's uh one of those tropes that it's, it's just fascinating to sort of fall down the rabbit hole of and not while this character is not necessarily the final girl or maybe you'll see I don't know well who knows where the story is going to go but I do really enjoy uh the student in the book I, I think I, I kind of she's kind of a riff on um Drew Barrymore's character in the opening credits of Scream sort of like oh what if that character had gone on for a few more pages or not pages in a movie and it was a scene script like, pages yeah script pages yeah um <laughs> and so I think that's such a fun like uh like hook for a character uh, and to follow. Um, and yeah, I think I, I kind of, again, sort of taking in like the Chainsaw Man influence, I just kind of like, uh, I took a little bit from of Kobini, that character of just sort of like having the most stressful day in your life uh, and just immediately moving into another unimaginably more stressful day of your life. Uh, and I feel like I carry that sort of just an anxious like tinge to that character. Um, throughout like when I draw her and it is, I think that's just a fun just a fun character and I I really enjoy her design as well. Uh, we talk about these sort of being familiar faces from classic horror films but you know also no one's trying to get a C&D letter from from a uh, studio. How do you kind of dance around that uh, when you're playing with these characters? Yeah it's um, we absolutely we it's funny because we were talking. I remember talking to Kenneth about it. I, I remember when I think when I when he was coming up with the the designs, I kind of told him, "Look, we wanted when when people read this story, they want we want them to know exactly who this character is." Um, and really, um, what Kenneth was able to do, and I'll let him speak on it in a second, but he puts his own little twist on it. Um, but right off the bat, you're able to know. Um, but what we did was we we named them those archetypal names, um, which is the boyfriend or the student or the babysitter. 
um, and then we tweak their names a little bit um, just so that um, the reader will know that, hey, this is this is Laurie Strode from Halloween or this is Drew Barrymore. So that turned um, Casey from Scream, Drew Barrymore turned to Cassie. Um, Laurie turned to Lauren. Um, Ed from Shaun of the Dead turned to Ted. Um, but just like you said, um, it's uh, we 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 knew we didn't want to we didn't want to I doubt it, but we didn't want to piss any any movie studios off. But what Kenneth was able to do with the characters and their designs was is just incredible. Yeah, like uh, it, it kind of reminds me of how we talked about Spider Verse earlier, where it's kind of like you have these characters, but like we're able to put our own spin on it, like. Uh, like spider punk in the movie like he doesn't look verbatim like the olivier copiel design um so it's kind of like having these sort of characters as a jumping off point uh like uh our version of the baby uh, the babysitter laurie is completely different from how she is in the original movie and like she's uh, a different ethnicity um and sort of again like taking those sort of like maybe a certain like haircut or something and just sort of seeing like is there a more fun like what how like I, it's filtering it through my brain and just like oh what kind of similar haircut that would be fun that i enjoy seeing in designs um and yeah just sort of going from there and just remixing and finding different ways to make it our own i think that's been a fun challenge of this uh this whole project uh you know I, a fun fact about me is that i live in the same town as the corporate headquarters of spirit halloween uh is it is it fair and, and something that I was thinking about as I was kind of you know learning reading about these characters and looking at the designs I was thinking about how like I think it was last last year there was like the spirit Halloween meme that was going around so it would be like the bag that you would get from the store and then it was like uh uh now I've come up with an example on the spot here let's let's say it was the Scarlet Witch and it says you know red garbed mystic woman or something like that. <laughs> You know, is it like the spirit Halloween meme versions of these characters into the spirit Halloween universe? That's, yeah, that's what go. we're, we're going for. Yeah, <laughs> a little. There's a little bit of that where, again, uh, they're they're kind of more direct to the film uh, analogs, but they're also again we we take what's there and then just kind of really just shake it up and uh, you know it's not as as store brand, I guess. Uh. So, Kenneth, this is the first Kickstarter that that you've created. Your name is on. Uh, how are you feeling as the campaign goes on? You know, do you have it open on a tab that you're just kind of constantly refreshing? Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. This has been a good first uh, campaign because Damien's the collaborator on it, and he has had some incredible success with Worlds Away and uh, these projects that are have been wildly successful. So I, I've been really glad to have him like right next to me in this one. Um, and it's, it's it's pretty much a shared campaign pretty much between him and I. Um, and yeah, it's been a great learning experience for sure. And yeah, the, the, the Kickstarter page is up on just a tab at all times, just really refreshing, uh, seeing like the little bar graphs in the back, which they don't tell you about. <laughs> it's, it's fun to look at those or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's been really fun. Damien, considering you've gotten a few Kickstarters under your belt, uh, again, mostly for for Worlds Away, your fantasy series, you know, what what advice did you have as sort of the uh, elder statesman of the two? Um, <laughs> when we put it together, we kind of collaborated on everything. Um, one of the things that I 
I told them was, um, and I think it wasn't too long ago, um, I told them that, you know, people will, uh, they will cancel their pledges and, you know, we can't take it personally uh, because some things come up in life. Um, there's been a few times where I had to cancel my pledge. Um, and I think we got to cancel pledge today. Um, and you'll see me on Twitter just making these, <laughs> these jokes or these memes about it. But I, I absolutely understand if somebody has to cancel their pledge. It's nothing, I don't try not to take it um, personally. Um, and another thing is I, I told Kenneth to uh, be prepared that you're, you will be checking it nonstop. Sometimes I, I wake up in the middle of the night just to check it. Um, and sometimes, uh, sometimes it has good news for me. Sometimes it doesn't have any news at all. Um, but a lot of times is it's um, it's a good learning experience because um, just running it and seeing how often because you really got to go out there and promote it. Um, people aren't going to go looking for you. You have to go looking for people to um, show your story. You have to show this off. Um, and it's really a, for 30 days. It's nonstop. Um, it's nonstop. Hey, look at my story. Is anyone trying to read this great horror story that me? And my friend are coming up with um and it's 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 very taxing I will, and i told him that too it's a lot um but if you do it well or if you um do it um diligently if you believe in it um then a lot of times you you will find that success and i think we're all, we, we we got a good start so far do you find yourself supporting and backing more Kickstarters now that you have your own? Personally, sorry, Kenneth, I saw you about to speak. Personally, <laughs> absolutely. Um, because I know um, how um, how taxing of an experience it is because 30 days, um, 30 days of nonstop screenshotting my, um, our Kickstarter page and saying, hey, we have three more backers until we hit 150, 30 days of checking it nonstop, 30 days of seeing uh, how much money we have, 30 days of whatever. Um, it's it's a, it's a humbling experience. It's an exhausting experience. And it's it's even tougher when you have a job. It's it's tougher when you have other responsibilities as well. Um, but it's a good it's a good experience. It's a good um, learning experience for everyone yeah definitely I, I i was already pretty diligent in sort of checking out campaigns that were really interesting and uh creators that i admired but yeah being in the mix of it and also just sort of having that support from other campaigns running right now uh that's really again sort of it's been very humbling in terms of just sort of like dang we're all in these trenches uh trying to get this uh thing get these projects that we love and like really have put a lot of creative creative energy into funded and sort of having that shared thing of uh of just going through it it really makes me more just like oh great this project looks fantastic let's uh even like doing cross promos and going and backing each other's things it's been really uh yeah it's a very humbling experience and i definitely am probably going to lose a lot more money on backing projects in the future <laughs> So uh, this one is specifically for a issue number one. Uh, you know, how far out story-wise do you kind of have in your head that you could take this? There, currently we have four slash five issue, um, issues planned. Um, but one of the things, um, well, hold on, let me backtrack. 
um, four or five issues um, planned so far. And, um, you know, it's not just, I would say the story isn't just like a gruesome kind of, you know, blood fest. It, I mean, we obviously have that. Um, that's one of the things that we were going for, but there's a lot of great character moments in there. There's a lot of great um, fleshing out of these characters. It's not just a simple, um, and I'm not trying to throw shade at anybody, um, but because there, there's an audience for that as well. Um, but a lot of these characters will go through an arc. A lot of these characters will develop over the next four or five issues. Um, but one of the things that I, I loved about this idea, this concept of a story was that, you know, in Try Not to Die, we can literally pick any horror movie. We can literally pick any horror story that we wanted to going forward. Um, so if we're lucky enough, if you guys cross your fingers hard enough, um, there is a bunch of different things that we can play around with. And hopefully we will. Yeah. Um, yeah, Damien really has created such a great sandbox to play in. And I remember early on, uh, we had like a call and just sort of talked about sort of different story ideas. And even like beyond these like first four issues, just like ideas to play with just sort of like as asking questions of these characters who like, like uh, the host who we is very mysterious and we won't give anything away about, but just like asking further questions about what's her deal. Uh, and sort of, again, there's like a lot of road and a lot of uh, again, toys in the sand, toys in the toy box, not sandbox, or it could be a sandbox. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, a lot, lot to play with. And yeah, definitely there's road there if we want to take it. What's something that you've gotten to do, uh, non-spoilery in, in Try Not to Die that is different from other things that you've worked on? But yeah, that is a really good question. Uh, I mean, yeah, the horror, whole genre of horror, it's new and uh, fresh to me, but uh, the character designs have been really interesting as well in terms of kind of, I feel like I, I get, you know, shout out to comics XF. I do a lot of the X-Men redesign. So I feel like I'm used to playing in sort of like a superhero spandex uh, sort of fantastical designs world, but sort of finding ways to design characters in just like regular clothes and sort of making those designs look interesting and memorable has been really interesting um, and there is a character that is for fantastical that I think was my favorite design to work on. But again, sort of trying to nail like how to, you know, make a character that's sympathetic and uh, that makes you want to follow them uh, through sort of a grounded means of just a, a normal person. Uh, that's been a, a fun challenge. And yeah. Yeah. And um, just like Kenneth said, you know, I most of the stories that pop into my head are these fantasy sci-fi type stories. Um, Cause I grew up with playing video games like um, Final Fantasy. I, I played all these different things like, like God of War, these fantastical things. Uh, but um, just the whole genre of horror itself, because it, like I was talking about earlier, it, a lot of the stories, a lot of these characters you know, they made a huge impact on me, like Chucky, just like um, Kenneth was saying, like the creeper from Jeepers Creepers, like um, the girl from The Ring. Um, they like they really have stuck with stuck out to me um, for 30 years now. Um, but being able to do it is such a fun, fun experience. Um, and also just reading these horror comics like um something is killing the children like um what's a one of my favorite horror comics one of my favorite comics in general 
is um, lock and key. That really, oh, it's really hard to scare people um, in a comic book. Um, but lock and key, there was, I remember there was this moment where I forget his name, but the the kid at the beginning, um, the villain kid, um, he was looking at a painting and, you know, the girl was in the well and the picture started moving and that really stood out to me. Um, but uh, things like that, things like it's, 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 it's a fun, it's just, just writing this is just fun. You you uh you said one of Matt's triggers. <laughs> Block, lock and key lock and is <laughs> an old timer for me. Oh yeah. Thumbs up. Oh yeah. Thumbs up. Thank gosh. Yeah. So oh. uh, just let me <laughs> lock and key. Um and I and I try not to, you know, crap on anyone's work. Um love lock and key the book. I wa- I don't know how you guys feel about it. Watch the first episode of Lock and Key the Show, and I didn't finish a single episode. Sorry. Mm. I haven't I mean Partially, it's time, and also, they did a pilot. It went through like three attempts or two attempts to get it before that one, and I saw the first pilot at New York Comic Con a number of years ago, and it was a much closer adaptation, and it was like I was really impressed by it. And I saw this, I was like, this has much more of a a YAE sort of vibe. Yeah, it was like a teenage vibe, which is in the original. The book is more, it's gritty and gruesome and dirty and nasty. And but yeah, you, it, it, you can tell it's like, oh, yeah, th- yeah, this guy is Stephen King's kid from reading the, the book. It has that same sort of, yeah, they're kids, but it's existing in a world that they don't necessarily fit in versus building the world around the kids because king's king and joe hill's books are kids who have to reach to become part of this wider world while a ya thing usually is a world where the kids fit so uh kenneth i'm glad you you'd mentioned the uh the comics xf uh redesigning challenges you know you and, and a bunch of other artists have gotten to provide these amazing takes on various uh, X-Men members. Do you, do you have a favorite from among those that you've done or maybe one that you remember being more challenging than the others? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I think my favorite might be the one for Madeline Pryor. Uh, Cause I think I did the most like research and digging. Uh, I think I, I based her design off of like Thierry Mugler. I have, May, I've never said the name out loud. I've just read it. And, uh, but yeah, so Moogler, uh, I think it's Moogler. Um, but yeah, uh, based it off of that and just sort of, again, that's sort of a precursor to the horror phase I'm in right now. But yeah, making that um, design very like creepy, but like also just sort of like alluring and just very like, I don't know, there's a lot of, like Madeline Pryor is just one of those characters that you really are obsessed with. Uh, like you just gets into your head as a character and it was really fun to just sort of play in uh, sort of her design space and sort of again take off make a take on that just uh, iconic design you've also been a comics critic in addition to you know be, being an artist and cartoonist uh, you know how do you feel like one informs the other uh, and vice versa yeah I mean I, de- I definitely think 
I got into comics criticism just to in order to sort of understand the craft more to like I, I think I, I'm always going to keep making comics but I think uh diving into criticism really helps me look at an issue uh and sort of like really break down why or why not or why or why not or why or uh, why this issue works or why it doesn't um and I think uh I remember early on like I started at Multiversity and they kind of they had many reviews and like you kind of just kind of had your pick of like or it was kind of like first come serve like these sort of like uh issues that like the main reviewers weren't on so you kind of just like would pick up like a fourth issue of a series that you hadn't heard of and you have to sit down and be like okay what is something of value to say about this comic that i maybe have not heard of or uh, i'm just like checking out for the first time and i think that was a really good exercise in terms of like breaking down like oh yeah here's the story arc here here's how this artist uh displays motion and sort of figuring out ways and yeah uh and then coming to comics XF and having such like really like top critics and just sort of learning from their work and just sort of it, I think it was I think criticism is all so good in comics and there's such a great wellspring of criticism and just sort of being immersed in that world and writing both my criticism and um reading other people's fantastic work it's been really informative of how I approach comics and uh yeah it's been really a great experience uh what artists uh do or, or your artists you know who, who do you uh jam on personally oh my gosh yeah there's so many great artists that are i'm obsessed with uh gosh i think uh i, I shouted out nice house on the lake but um alvaro martinez bueno i think i'm saying his name right uh that book is gorgeous i i, I look at it every day and just like wonder how <laughs> uh and just yeah it's a great book the uh and yeah, just the the texture of how his works changes from I like Detective Comics or um, Justice League Dark. Uh, just seeing like the way it's sort of smooth and just sort of feels like everyone's kind of they're in the water in a way. Uh, I feel like that's just an incredible book. And um, I think another I recently reread uh, like Mr. Miracle, the deluxe edition uh and getting into mitch mitch jared's art jared's uh, again comics is full of names you've just never set out um and yeah seeing his work and just sort of he has a very maximalist it feels like a maximalist approach but it's also very simple and clear to read and i think that's something that resonates with how i do my work in terms of like i love throwing new like whatever brush i found on like the page and sort of seeing how i can fit that into my process and I think seeing Mitch Jarrett's work and seeing like how much is going on, but how it all feeds into a, a, a consist, consistent image, that's been really fun to sort of pour over and break down. Yeah. Um, besides Kenneth, um, a, lot, a lot of the artists that I really, um, two, when you asked that question, there are two artists currently I mean, there's so many, um, but right now, I think the one that I enjoy the most um, mainstream-wise is Dan Mora. Um, he is incredible, and I don't know how he does it, but I remember there was, um, I think it was World's Finest, and um, what's the one with Boom Studios? I don't oh, know. Uh, Once in Future. Once in Future. Once in Future, and he one issue came out one week, and then the next issue, like... <laughs> like he is like he was drawing two books he must have drew it way in advance but it was like back to back to back to back where he was had so many different issues um so that was the first thing that popped into my mind currently um but one of my favorite artists of all time as well is chris sammy i love chris sammy um 
and he, him, and his work on uh, Mark Wade's Daredevil um, is incredible. Um, and the last one that came to my mind was uh, Daniel Warren Johnson. I don't know how you guys feel about do a power bomb, but it's literally. Um, I think I was talking to, I forgot who I was talking to, um, but do a power bomb is probably my favorite, one of my favorite, probably one A or one B of favorite comics of all time. It was only like seven issues, um, mm-hmm. but I absolutely adore that comic book. I, I got to pick up the the uh, collection of that uh, when it, if it, if it's come out uh, when it comes yes. out. It's yeah. out. Um, I bought all seven issues. I um, but I went out and bought the hardcover just because I loved it so much. It, it's um, you know it's it's really hard, well, in my opinion, to you know make someone emotional during uh, reading a comic um, or just um, it happens doesn't happen super often. You know, I'll laugh out loud and I'll I'll feel and I'll get the gist of it, but. Do a power bomb was one of the the comics that actually made me um, love realize. Hey, this is the thing that I want to do. <laughs> this is making comics is and making people feel this way about a comic book is what is what I want really want to do. Uh, on top of the Kickstarter, Damien, you're also writing the fifth issue of. Uh, Mad Caves Tales from Nottingham Anthology, which should be coming out later this month. As Absolutely. the as we record, it's it's as always a question flies. of you know re- yeah. recording date versus release date and uh-huh. relative things like that. Um, how did that opportunity come about? Um, <laughs> I love telling this story. Um, I told you guys earlier I've been in like reading comics for since I was second first second grade. Um, I've always always made my com- made my own comics. I was never as talented as Kenneth, but I always had my own superheroes. I had a character named Panda Man, um, and he was he wasn't even a man. He was just a panda, an anthropomorphic panda who had super Superman powers. But I would always make my own comics, you know. Um, and later on in life, when I had a little bit of my own money, um, I realized, hey, I can you know do this own my own thing if I wanted to. Um, and then I just happened across uh, Mad Cave, um, and Mad Cave at the time, I think the first time I I, I, I did it was 2018. Um, you know, before I actually won or became one of the winners for the talent search, I, I entered like two or three times, and I you know I didn't get anything. Um, but that the last time in 2021, um, I actually well I just it was just a shot in the dark. I didn't really expect to win. Um, I just wrote the best script that I had. Um, I turned I turned it in. And I remember I was teaching. Um, I'm still in education, um, but I was, it was the end of the day. Um, it was during dismissal. Um, and shout out to Rachel Distler. She has a book coming out with a blaze. Um, and she does a lot of great stuff. She's in the, uh, the Color of Always anthology as well. Um, but... Uh, she messaged me because I was doing a story with her and said, congratulations. She said, congratulations, by the way. I said, congratulations for what? Um, <laughs> and then she sent me the screenshot of the names of the people who won the Mad Cave Studio talent search of 2021. 
And I promise you guys, I started, I just started crying in front of all 30 of my students. I ran across the hall to Mr. O'Neill. Shout out to Mr. O'Neill. Um, and I gave him a hug. Um, and since then, I said, hey, if I don't have, if this dream of making comics is going to happen, then it's going to happen right now. So I decided to go all in with Worlds Away. And I decided to go all in with Try Not to Die. Uh, but yeah, it is coming out on May 28th, of, uh, not May, June 28th of this month, uh, June 28th, um, and I am very excited about it. Um, I do love that story. Shout out to Raphael Romeo Magat, who was a, a fellow artist on that story that we worked together, uh, that I worked with. Now, that exists as a spinoff from an existing mm -hmm. book. Yes, sir. How, and it's each issue of this miniseries is a different creative team. Uh, how is that kind of thing coordinated? I assume the creators mm -hmm. in the main book have mm -hmm. at least their eye on it. And is there coordination with the other creative teams to make sure there's no redundancy across the scripts? Uh, I'm just curious how those kind of anthologies come together. Yeah. Um, so shout out to David Hazan, he or David Hazen. Um, he him and Brian Hawkins, shout out to Brian Hawkins, who's the editor at Mad Cave. And he he did Black Cotton um, uh, with Patrick Foreman. He was the editor on Tales of Notting Tales from Nottingham, number five or the entire series. Um, and they those two work hand in hand together. And literally, you know, they had from what I understand, they had these different prompts that they gave to each of the winners from the Mad Cave Studios talent search. And it was, our prompts were literally maybe two or three sentences. Um, so he said, <laughs> pretty much, this is point A, this is point B, everything else you fill in um, with whatever story. And if there's something, if and there were some things that I wrote on there, um, wrote in the script um, that David wanted, who's the writer of Nottingham, he wanted to change because he had plans for this certain character. Um, so there was a there was a merry man, um, one of Robin Hood's um, um, people um, that I just incorporated into this into my original script. And David said, he said, oh, let's not use this character because I have this. Uh, I plan on using this character over here. And really, it wasn't a huge problem because the character that I, I just named, he was just that character in name only. Um, but yeah, he was him and Brian were kind of overseeing the entire thing. But literally, the story that I, that we came up with was it, it's it's my it's my story. Uh, but, you know, I had all these people over my shoulder just saying, hey, make sure you watch out for this. Don't do this. Um but yeah, it was fun. It was a great experience. Great people. Shout out to Matt Cave Studios for giving all these people, all these creative people, um, their dreams, letting them live their dreams. Forever thankful for them. You just said it. you work in education. Your your Kickstarter bio says that you're a middle school administrator. First, may whatever cosmic forces you believe in bless you for working with middle schoolers because... That is a rough, rough period in everyone's life. Uh, but the, the question here is, who's harder to wrangle, comics creators or middle schoolers? You know, I got, I've got i been so lucky to work with great students and great creators. Shout out to Kenneth. Um, every, and I will say, 
every creator that I've reached out to, every creator that I've worked with that I've, um, you know, developed or made a comic with, they've all been great, especially Kenneth. Kenneth has been so kind. Um, the middle schoolers, um, <laughs> I wouldn't go anywhere else in education. Um, I've been in middle school for 10 years now. Um, Someday you'll get that degree and get out. They'll get that degree and get out. Um, but there, yeah, you we have to give a lot of students, a lot of 11, 12, 13 year olds, a lot of grace because at the end of the day, they're 11, 12, and 13 and they're figuring out who they are. Um, and they probably won't even figure out who they are until they're adults. A lot of us are still figuring each other out and they don't have a lot of the tools that adults have. Um, but um, the kids are great. They're literally the best part of the job. And a lot of times they're the worst part of the job. But shout out to my students. I love you all, even though I get mad at you guys. <laughs> so uh, we're we're winding, starting to wind down here now. What else are either of you working on uh, at the moment that you can talk about or want to promote? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm tuning away at some stuff in the background. Uh maybe retooling some things uh but yeah so far i'm i'm just looking at the kickstarter page waiting for that fully funded to get started on this one um shout out to kenneth um because i'm gonna lock kenneth down and we're gonna create something great and hopefully he stays on board for many 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 issues um because i'm in love with his art and he's a great person um i do have um, Tales from Nottingham, number five, coming out. Mm -hmm. um, shout out to Kenneth. Uh, uh, shout out to, oh, shout out to Kenneth. Um, shout out to um, Patrick Foreman and Brian Hawkins, who are the creators of Black Cotton. I do have a graphic novel coming out with them. Patrick Foreman, he, he created the story. I wrote the script. Brian um, edited the script. We have a book coming out called Remember. It's a crime thriller um it's a brutal it's crazy it's a brutal that's the best word that i can give um to describe it is brutal um uh later on maybe next year um i have a five issue series with a secret publisher um that you will see in comic stands maybe next year um i know i finished all five scripts for it um and then worlds away is actually coming out with band of bards in january um so hopefully you'll see a lot more of me hopefully um kenneth will be along the ride with me um because i'm a huge fan of his uh, penultimate question uh what are each of you reading right now man i have so many books um <laughs> you should see my stack it's literally like this big the big um the I know the one that I have on my nightstand right now that's number one is it was well it's just the top of my um the top of my um stack it's not necessarily number one um but the one that I'm gonna read tonight is Blue Book. I don't know you guys are talking about James uh Tinyan, um but Blue Book is it's strange because you know they have Michael Avon Oming on the art, um and he has this very cartoonish style. Mm -hmm. um but it's a creepy book it's it's weird and it, it reads like a documentary um but that's what i'm gonna read tonight uh 
Yeah, I've been in a, a, a like I mentioned, alluded to in my Mr. Miracle Deluxe Edition, but I've been in a Deluxe Edition omnibus uh, buying kick because I am an adult now. <laughs> uh, and I, I recently got uh, Catwoman Lonely City uh, and uh, I'm excited to read that one. Cliff Chang's art. I'm, I, I've just flipped through it a few times and it just looks gorgeous. Uh, and also I bought the omnibus for Bitter Root. Uh, which uh, I'm excited to finally dig into that one. I, I remember I bought the first like trade paperback from I think Sanford Green and one of the co-creators was at Dragon Con a couple like before the pandemic, and I remember uh, chatting with them and uh, getting that first volume. And so I'm excited to really dig into it. Well, uh, fellas, this has been a fantastic time. Final question as we release you back into the world: How can people follow each of you online and keep up with Try Not to Die and everything else that you're working on? Yeah, um, I'm Damian Beckton. You can check out my stuff at DamianBeckton.com. You can uh, sign up for my Substack if you're interested to see what I'm doing. I post a lot of. Uh, behind the scenes stuff on my Substack, which is worldsaway.substack.com. Um, and please, please, please consider um, even taking a look at Try Not to Die. Um, you can search it up on Kickstarter if you would like. Um, but the easy way to do it is to go to try not the number two die.net, and that'll take you straight to our Kickstarter. We're about 81, 82% funded um, with a long way to go. So hopefully we'll be able to focus on those stretch goals. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for having us. Yeah, and I'm a disaster laster on pretty much everything. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, uh, which I don't post as much on. Probably Tumblr, put a hyphen in if it doesn't work. Uh, but yeah, my website is, there's a link tree somewhere that'll probably have everything. But um, yeah, Kenneth R. Laster is my website if you just want to scroll through and look at stuff I've done. Uh, and yeah, uh, please back, try not to die. I'm excited to work on it. All right, Kenneth, Damien, thank you guys so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. We appreciate your time. That's it for this week's show. As a reminder, WMQ&A is part of ComicsXF, where you can find this podcast, along with our sister podcasts, Battle of the Atom, and Bat Chat with Matt and Will, a Batman ranking podcast co-hosted by Matt Lazowitz and our bud Will Nevin. You can listen to WMQ&A on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Audible, and at ComicsXF.com, where new episodes move Tuesday mornings. You can support WMQ&A at Patreon.com slash WMQComics where a dollar donation gets you early access to episodes, shout-outs on the podcast, and a free comic in the mail for my collection. A $2 donation gets you a Pete Wisdom Hot Claw sticker designed by Kevin Newburn. A $3 donation gets you access to our bonus podcast, Our Son Pete, a deep dive into the appearances of British mutant super spy Pete Wisdom. A $4 donation gets you access to Our Son Pete and the sticker. A $25 donation lets you plug your crowdfunded or creator-owned comic in a 60-second spot and a $50 donation lets you advertise on the show. Big thanks to our patrons, Charlie Davis, Robert Secundus, Liz Large, and Will Nevin from ComicsXF, Carla Pacheco, Mike Sagawa, and Azimov Fangirl, a.k.a. The Loyalist Content Consumer. You can follow WMQ&A on Twitter at WMQComics, me at Daniel P. Grote, Matt Lazowitz at MattLaz1013, and ComicsXF at ComicsXF, assuming Twitter still works. And until next week, remember, somewhere out there, there's a Batman comic where all the characters simply cannot stop saying the word boner.
W-N-Q-A. W-N-Q-A.